You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Michael, and I serve as one of the pastors here on staff in the role as the Connections Pastor. Uh, I'm kind of in a season of my life currently where uh, if somebody's on stage speaking or teaching or even like a small group setting, uh, I like to know a little bit about that person. Um, I don't know if you guys are like me or not, but um, what cachet do you have in my life that you can kind of speak into it? Uh, so I'm going to just give you just a little uh, overview of the last couple months of, of my life. Uh, May 23rd of 2021, uh, I became a husband to my incredible wife, Amber, who leads worship here at Calvary Church. The following week, uh, I became became full-time staff here at the church June 1st. Uh, the next month of July, I became a credentialed pastor through the Assemblies of God, and now I serve as a Connections pastor. Uh, I share all of that um, just because I'm on stage. You might be new or newish to Calvary Church. Uh, just giving you a little peek into uh, my own life. Uh, but today we are uh, continuing our series where we are looking at what it means to become like Jesus. If you're with us last Sunday, Pastor Nick opened up this incredible series as we walk into the Lenten season where we are looking at what it means to become like Jesus. And he started out with Jesus and his Father. That prayer in Scripture, God's Word, is is vitally important to Jesus, so it should be vitally important to us. And today I just want to speak uh, on this idea of becoming like Jesus And in today's day and age, we have so many people or things to aspire to become like or or people to to look up to, and they could be celebrities or movie stars or professional athletes, uh, TV outlets or TV shows, and really the list can go on and on. If you have young ones, content creators on YouTube or TikTok or social media, like there are literally thousands upon thousands of people or things to look to that are pulling on our hearts to disciple us to become like them. But if you're in the house this morning, you're watching online, If you're a follower of Christ, I just want to propose this question. And if you're a follower of Jesus, shouldn't we become more like Jesus, not like others? And that's the heart of this message series, that throughout this month that we can discuss what it means to become more like Jesus. And if you're with us a few weeks ago, so last sermon series of of writing history, Pastor Lance uh, spoke an incredible, powerful, timely message. But Pastor Lance opened his message, uh, and he made a statement that he loves whenever pastors, speakers, or teachers open with a question. So shout out to Pastor Lance. I'm going to open with a question. My question to you today throughout this, uh, our 30 minutes roughly together is, uh, what does your table look like? What does your table look like? Would you guys stand with me as we open God's word? If you have a physical Bible with you, uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 26, reading 26 through 29. Uh, I read out of the ESV, so the English Standard Version. If you have a translation that you're familiar with, by all means. If you have a smartphone, version Bible app, again, Matthew chapter 26, 26 through 29, and it is recorded as this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, take eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. God, I know me personally speaking on stage 
if you are not with me, if you're not with us, God, it's just a TED Talk. It's just another dialogue. God, I ask that you are present this morning. God, as we open your word, as we look at what your word wants to speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you flow through me. God, I'm an open vessel for, for you to move this morning. God, as we look at what the table signifies biblically, God, I ask that you challenge all of us on this idea of the table. God, challenge us, change us, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, it was a, a few weeks before uh, I got married again back in May. Uh, it was about mid-April, end of April, and uh, my wife and I were looking uh, at combining our furniture when we were moving in together post-marriage, and uh, I lived by myself for about a year uh, up until that point, and if you're married, um, you know kind of what it looks like of two become one flesh, that you kind of move everything together. Uh, you move bedroom furniture, you move kitchen furniture, you move appliances, things of that nature, but we were discussing what we needed uh, post-marriage whenever we, we moved in together. And again, I had some things, uh, but nothing was matching, nothing was congruent with what Amber had. Um, so we needed a bedroom set, we needed dressers that uh, both worked for us well. Uh, we needed end tables for our bedroom or nightstands, we needed lamps, we needed kind of odd and end things uh, throughout this last month of, of us before we got married. But I had one specific request before we got married. A very, very specific request. Either request of getting or purchasing a second kitchen table. And you might be thinking here this morning, Michael, you don't need two kitchen tables. You don't eat that much food or that much dinner. I do. I, I love food. Uh, Amber eats at one table. I eat at the other. That's not how it works. Um, but let me take you back to whenever we first started dating. Um, we dated. We first started dating uh, in December of 2019. And... Uh, Within the next few months, we all know what happened, COVID hit. And the world literally shut down for a few months. But within those first few months of, of us dating from December until about March or April, uh, we worked on our relationship. We went hiking outside. We spent a lot of time with now our dog. Um, we spent a lot of time working on our relationship. But we also spent a lot of time watching TV shows that I've never watched prior to us dating. And I might get some flack about this uh, this morning. I've never seen friends prior to us dating. How many people are friends, people, in the building this morning? A few of you. Awesome. Uh, how many people watch The Office? I've never seen The Office prior to us dating. There, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not my favorite TV show. It's not my favorite TV show. We also watched a show called Parks and Recreation. Anybody watch Parks and Rec? There are a few of you. Awesome. In the show Parks and Rec, there's a character named Tom Haverford. If you've watched the show, uh, you know Tom. Tom is very goofy, he's funny, he's quick-witted. He has a ton of business ideas. He is at heart, by nature, a business entrepreneur. He has hundreds of business ideas throughout the show. And there's another office assistant named Donna. And they come up with a day that they created called Treat Yourself Days. <laughs> and that day consists of both of them treating themselves and treating themselves to high-end clothes, high-end shoes, high-end restaurants, just lavishing themselves, going to the spa for massages, saunas, kind of the whole nine. And he treats himself to an entire day. Pastor Nick's not sitting there. Pastor Nick, I like to implement that for the staff. Uh, just a day that we can take. But uh, throughout watching the, the show, uh, throughout COVID, uh, something struck with us, struck a nerve with us, with us. 
is through the midst of kind of COVID, of us just figuring out uh, our relationship, we wanted to treat ourselves. Nothing you could really do during COVID. Everything was kind of locked down and you couldn't gather with, with people. Uh, so we decided to gather with us and with family. And we, we created and, and implemented a Treat Yourself Day for Amber and Michael of Fondue Fridays. Anybody love fondue in the house? There are a few of you. Come on. Fondue is incredible. Fondue is incredible. Very similar to Taco Tuesdays or Sunday Sundays or Takeout Thursdays, uh, whatever that looks like for you. But we decided to implement Fondue Fridays. We both love to host people as individuals, but now we're married, we both love to host people. We both love food. Again, raising your hands, who doesn't love food? Both of my hands will be up for food on that one. Uh, We both love to connect with people, but we also love to connect with people we don't really know that well. So again, we decided to implement Fondue Fridays to treat ourselves during, during COVID. And practically speaking, what that looks like for us is that we just host people over for fondue. And fondue by nature is a three-course meal, just giving you a little insight into, into fondue. Fondue starts with a, a cheese course or an appetizer course. Uh, it is melted cheese with, you get little uh, dippers, um, little hand food, little snack food, whether they're pretzels, apples, whatever that looks like to, to dip in cheese. The second course is, is your entree course, which is some sort of broth which the broth is seasoned with potatoes and mushrooms and broccoli and and all sorts of vegetables that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, But you also get chicken, steak, pork, beef, whatever that looks like for you. And the last course uh, is my favorite is chocolate, is dessert. And during COVID, we did all of that. Every time we would have fondue or fondue Fridays, we would actually do all three or have a three-course meal. And throughout our relationship, but also now marriage, Throughout hosting people, we, we found uh, this truth. We found such richness and depth around the table. I don't know if you're there or not, but we found such richness and depth around the table. And you see, my specific request prior to us getting married for a second kitchen table is actually being created or made into a fondue table. Uh, I want to buy a tabletop burner. I want to build it into the table so that when we host people over for fondue, it's super simple. You don't have to go to the stove, to the kitchen. We bought a table that was from Ikea, a super cheap $40 table that didn't match anything in our house. And we didn't care really about that because we actually cared about what happens around the table, not the cost of the table. And again, maybe you're here this morning and you are like myself and Amber and you hold the table in, in high regards. Maybe you're a part of a family that schedules dinners to gather weekly in this fast-paced, busy world. Or maybe you're the opposite and you don't have the same view as as we do. Or maybe your family doesn't gather around table like it used to or, or like it should. Or maybe it's just a piece of furniture to you that collects random items throughout the week of mail and bills and, and newspapers. Sometimes that's our house, being honest. Or maybe, digging a little bit deeper, maybe you've been hurt around the table emotionally and it has a painful memory in your heart. Whatever situation you find yourself in viewing your table or the table, I want to look at the table through a different lens today. I want to... I want you to see the table, no matter what your view is, that the table is extremely, extremely biblical. 
And I believe that no matter what family, no matter what friends, no matter what coworkers, no matter if it's somebody you're getting to know for the first time, no matter it's a neighbor that you've never talked to before, or maybe it's someone that, that is the complete opposite of you. Again, the last two, two and a half years, we find ourselves in, in camps or where a line is drawn in the sand, where we find ourselves on the left or the right of certain camps. Maybe it's that, it's that person that is different than you. Maybe they're a different skin color, different perspective on faith. Maybe they don't even go to church. Maybe it is that somebody that hurt you. I believe that the table has the ability to lower your walls and barriers so that people gathered around the table can experience these three things and what we're going to walk through today. I believe that the, the table has the power to allow people to experience connection, grace, and the love of Christ. And just like we read in Matthew chapter 26, 26 and 29, I believe it's the perfect picture of how God sees the table, but also who he sees at the table just going to reread these verses. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of, the, of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The very first point I want to speak on today is, is connection. The table has the ability to offer people connection. You see, the table is one of the places that you feel most alive and comfortable with around others. Would you agree with that statement? You can gather around table with somebody that is different than you. You can gather around table with somebody that maybe you had an argument with or, or a fight with. Maybe you had a horrible day at work. But you can actually gather around table and feel most alive and comfortable with others. And by societal standards, we should gather around table 21 meals or 21 times in a week. That's seven days in a week and three meals. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is 21 meals. And I can already start to feel some of the pushback by that. 21 meals a week is kind of much. Michael, I don't have time in the morning to sit down for breakfast. I wake up too late. I wake up too early. I'm not that hungry in the morning. I can't gather around table for lunch. There's so much going on at around dinner time that I can't actually sit down and gather and eat a meal. All those reasons are, are really extremely valid. I'm not dismissing those whatsoever. But can I push back a little bit this morning? That's only one meal you've missed in a day. There's two more throughout the day, and there's over 15 more meals throughout the week to gather with somebody. Verse 26 says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. You see, Jesus was gathered around table in this particular moment in human history with his 12 disciples. 12 disciples. They all came from different backgrounds. They came from different ethnicities. They had different professions when Jesus called them to be his disciple. They had different persuasions, different biases. Everything about them was different. And even after Jesus ascended into heaven, they were actually put on mission to different regions of the known world. Literally everything about them was different. But Jesus knew something a little bit different than what we do. You see, these 12 disciples were people that Jesus walked with for three years of his professional ministry. He's done life with them. He's done his ministry with these, these 12 disciples. They've seen him heal people of leprosy, of paralysis, of being blind. They've seen, they've seen him call Lazarus out of the grave. Like They've experienced supernatural powers because Jesus knew something different than what we do. And now to today in our culture, 
You see, even in our culture today, culture today, gathering around table with someone not only implies a meal together, but also something a little bit deeper. That something deeper is connecting and identifying with the person you're gathered with. You see, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus ate, identified, and connected with people even before they even repented or showed any resemblance and change in their life. But Jesus found a way to connect with his disciples and the people in his day because he knew this truth, and this is the truth. As creatures made in God's image, we were created for relationships, both with God and with other image bearers. By God's design, therefore, genuine relationships are the basis for all human flourishing. And I believe that the table offers connection with God and with others. The table offers connection with God and with others. And my second point today is the table offers grace. The table offers grace. You know, one of the most interesting pictures of a meal in the New Testament to me is found in John chapter 21. Just a quick overview of of John 21. After a night of fishing, seven disciples went out fishing uh, throughout the night. And as the, the sun was breaking, Jesus is standing on shore calling to the disciples. And the disciples encounter Jesus. And traditionally, acting off of his impulses, which he usually does, Peter is dressed for fishing. So he has waders, he has clothes on, very specific for fishing. And Peter sees Jesus off in the distance on the shore. And what does Peter do? He actually puts on more clothes and he jumps in the water to get to Jesus. He jumps in the water to get to Jesus. I can only imagine what Peter is thinking, what his emotional thoughts are, that he sees Jesus and he swims to him. I'd say runs to him. He swims to him. He is super excited and ecstatic to get to Jesus. But as Peter comes out of the water, he's fully drenched, fully soaked with water, probably freezing cold. He starts to come on the shore and he, and he moves towards Jesus. And, and in this story, in this moment, Peter enters the shore, steps foot on shore, and he smells a hauntingly similar smell. Peter smells the smell of a fire. You see, this fire in John 21 is described with the word only used one other time in Scripture, and that's found in John chapter 18, verse 18, and the verse is this. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire. There's the word, charcoal fire, because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. And fast forward just a few days later, John 21, verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw, there it is again, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. You're probably thinking, Michael, what does a charcoal fire have to do with it? You see, in John 18, verse 18, that fire in Peter's life was actually a place of denial. That charcoal fire brought back all the memories of Peter's denial. It might have brought back Peter's shame of denying Jesus three times. It might have brought back guilt of denying Jesus three times. You see, when Peter got out on land in John chapter 21, he smelled a very eerie, similar smell that he did when he denied Jesus. But fast forward a little bit later, a few days later in John 21, that very similar charcoal smell, fire, was now a place of Peter's redemption. And John 18 was a place of Peter's denial. John 21, a few days later, is now a place of Peter's redemption. And Jesus' simple invitation to Peter in verse 12 is this. It just says, come and have breakfast. What a powerful statement to Peter. Come and have breakfast. 
And maybe like Peter, you've been there. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've hurt someone you love like Peter did to Jesus. Maybe you've caused them deep pain. Maybe you've betrayed them again or denied them like Peter did to Jesus. Or maybe you're on the flip side. Maybe you're here this morning and actually somebody has hurt you that you love so deeply. Maybe you were like, I'm going to say Jesus in that situation, that somebody denied or betrayed you. And in both situations, I ask you, just as Jesus did to Peter, is open the simple invitation of come and have breakfast. Invite them to a meal. Because I believe that the table is a place where broken people find grace. I believe that the table is a place where broken people find grace. Grace And just as in Matthew 26, 26 through 29, Jesus is reclining at table with all of his disciples to partake in the Last Supper. Very, very famous moment in, in human history. Jesus' Last Supper with his 12, 12 disciples. And you know all 12 of those disciples also included Judas, who a few moments later, after the Last Supper, would actually go and betray Jesus and lead to his, his crucifixion. But it also included Peter, as we just discussed, that would actually deny Jesus three times. But Jesus, being Jesus, being what John 1.14 says, Jesus is full of grace and truth extended both to Judas and Peter, grace. Because I believe that the table is a place where broken people find grace. My first one is connection. My second one is grace, and I believe the last one that we can see in these three verses is that we can experience or express the love of Christ around table. I believe that this is the most important one from a little bias this morning is, is the love of Christ. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the five love languages by, by Dr. Gary Chapman. Uh, if you are familiar with the five love languages, um, you know what they are, but if you're not, I will explain a little bit about what the five love languages are. Dr. Gary Chapman beautifully articulates that every single person has the ability to receive love, but also express love in five ways. And they are physical touch, um, which is non-sexual. It can be holding hands, it can be hugging, it can be brushing up against somebody else. Uh, it could be anything where you just touch bodies in that manner. It could be quality time which is kind of self-explanatory, but it is, um, it is very, very intentional time with your significant other, with a friend, with a coworker. That is quality time. Could be acts of service. Uh, we just experienced another winter in March. Uh, we got about seven inches where uh, we live. So again, shoveling the, the driveway, sidewalk, cleaning off a car, making coffee in the, in the morning for your spouse. Those are acts of service. Could be gifts. Purchasing a gift. Um, and lastly is, is words of affirmation. Uh, words of affirmation. So that is like, you're awesome. You did an incredible job today. Jason and the worship team did an incredible job leading in worship today. I really could have went home after the worship set. Uh, but uh, those are words of affirmation. My top three are words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch. Uh, side note, married for almost 10 months. Husbands, if you don't know your wives' love languages, try to figure them out. Um, that'll save some, some headaches and some, some stresses. Uh, but uh, this morning, I'm not a doctor by any means. Uh, I did not interview Dr. Gary Chapman about what I'm about to say. But I want you to follow me for just a moment. And I want to propose something to you. That there actually might be a sixth love language. There might be a sixth love language outside of the five. When reflecting on the verses in Matthew, just three verses, uh, I want to propose to you that the sixth love language is food. There's a sixth love language of food. 
<laughs> Heard some laughs about that. There is food. I deeply, deeply love food. Uh, but I believe that one of the ways that God expresses his love to us is through food. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I love this quote by New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. He captured something of the sentiment when he wrote this. When Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. I'll let that resonate for a little bit. When Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. You see, the greatest act of love that this world has ever seen Jesus going to the cross for you, for me, for all of humanity. He could have used theologically rich and deep words to describe what was about to happen. Words that we couldn't even really pronounce. Words that we couldn't put definition to. But instead, Jesus, again, being Jesus, he knew the importance in table. He shared a meal with his closest friends to explain what was about to happen. So my original question to you, so again, to my original question, what does your table look like? What does your table look like? Does it look like a table that connection takes place with others? Does it look like a, a table that grace is extended to people that are different than you or maybe that need it in their particular season of life? Or I believe most importantly, does it look like a table that you can show the love of Christ to others? And just for a moment, can you imagine what your life would look like if you gathered around your table and was filled with family, with friends, with neighbors, or maybe even people who were different from you. Maybe you create a consistent schedule or routine to gather around your table. You know, I once heard a pastor say this about summing up the gospel message, that the gospel is Jesus eating good food with bad people. The gospel is Jesus eating good food with bad people. I'm not saying that the gospel is all about food, but I believe that Jesus knew the power in reclining at table with others because he knew the importance in the table. He was able to fellowship with, extend grace to, and love people around the table. And as we close today, uh, we lost an hour of sleep. I wanted to get you guys out a little bit early, but as we close today, can you just close your eyes where you're seated? Can you envision something with me? Can you envision your table? You can even go as far as your own dinner table. Can you envision your table? You sit down with friends, someone you don't know that well, or maybe even a complete stranger and you're sharing a meal together. What does that look like? You strike up a conversation. What does that look like? What words are discussed? Maybe there are, there are life that are in those words. Maybe there's grace that has to be extended to each other. Or maybe there's love that is being put on display by each other being patient, by being kind, by being slow to temper. How would that change your world? How would that impact your family, your friends, whoever you're gathering with? You guys can open your eyes. You see, that's what I envision for groups here at Calvary. That we can gather weekly, bi-weekly, or even monthly to gather on the table. And yes, that sometimes includes food, but also 
It doesn't include food. And those times are to develop relationships, to connect with others, to show grace and to show love to other people so that we can experience those three things, connection, grace, and love. And as we close out our spring semester of groups here at Calvary, the end of March, we're looking ahead to what we call this year summer sprints. We did something like this last year uh, where we actually went June, July, August. This year they are now May, June, July. And our summer sprints are just four weeks throughout the month of May, throughout the month of June, throughout the month of July. And they start in May. And they are usually more activity-driven than just sitting around table sharing a meal. So these are seasons where you can get outside and hike. My wife and I hopefully will actually lead a group all three months, May, June, July, of hiking. Uh, Again, we love to hike, and that's really where we fell in love. But those are more activity-driven groups. We know that life is hectic in in the summer of, of vacations and travel and kids are off school and schedules can be overwhelming. And maybe you're here today and and maybe something of what I said this morning resonated with you. Maybe something of connection resonated with you. Maybe something of grace resonated with you. Maybe something of showing love, the love of Christ to others resonated with you. Can I ask you a question this morning? Would you consider hosting a table? Would you consider hosting a table? Practically speaking, what that looks like is would you lead a group? I know that's a huge step of faith. I know that's a really big ask. But it's just a four-week group throughout the, the summer months of May, June, and July. Would you host a table? I'm going to ask you if something did resonate with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. If you have a spouse or, or significant other, talk to them, communicate, have those conversations. Or if you have wise counts in your life, reach out to them, ask them. I know it's like a a super small four-week ask, but it's still a step of faith to lead. And if you are this morning and something did resonate with you, I'm going to ask you, if you want to connect with me, to email me. My email should be on the screen uh, at some point. I would love for you to set the table so that people can experience connection, grace, and the love of Christ. You can email me. I'd love to, to connect with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and maybe you've led a group before or maybe you feel like God's saying don't lead anything right now. Like schedules are kind of very, very overwhelming. I've seen a season of rest. Can I ask this question to you this morning? Would you consider joining a table? Again, practically speaking, that's just joining a group. And again, going back to what I just said, there are a lot of hesitations about joining a group Some of them are, I'm new to Calvary. This is my first Sunday here. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I don't know anybody. Schedules are overwhelming. I know being married again for 10 months, ministry for 10 months, I know schedules can get super overwhelming. But I ask you for just four weeks, would you consider joining a table? Would you consider joining a table? You know, one of our values here at Calvary Church is that we believe that we grow best in the context of relationships. And groups are one of those ways that you can grow. It's just a four short week group throughout the the summer months. If you're here this morning and and you do want to check out summer sprints or join a group, uh, there are multiple ways of of doing that, but I believe the two easiest ways are going to connect.calvaryirwin.com and as you're there, whether you're on a smartphone or a desktop, 
click on the groups tab. It takes you directly to our groups page. Uh, you can see all the groups that we have, short descriptions, meeting times, leaders, uh, all the information. The second one, if you're here in person this morning, uh, and if you wanted to, to chat or just look at them here and now, as you leave the sanctuary this morning, we have a, a 22 by 28 stanchion sign uh, with our group's logo on it. There's a QR code on the bottom right of, of that poster. If you have a smartphone with you this morning, just open your camera app, hover over that, hover over that QR code. Again, it takes you directly to our groups page, but it's also on the screen. You can also scan that as well. Going to connect.calvaryorn.com, groups tab, or the QR code that's on the screen or in the foyer. And lastly, uh, I know there's tension in this moment of preaching a message and then practically speaking groups. We know that groups at, at Calvary Church are not the only way of connecting with people and gathering around table. They are a way of doing that. My question to you today about that is would you invite someone to table? The three questions, would you host a table, would you join a table, but lastly is would you invite someone to table? What that means practically is inviting someone to your own dinner table throughout the week. And again, we know that connecting with others, showing grace and extending the love of Christ can only happen in groups and it actually shouldn't happen just in groups. It should actually happen more so throughout your entire week. Can I challenge you for this week, but also challenge myself is, can you invite somebody over for dinner who you normally wouldn't invite over for dinner or have over for dinner? Maybe it's someone that's different than you. Maybe it's somebody here at Calvary Church that you don't know that well and you want to get to know them. That's one of our hearts. That's one of our visions for Fondue Friday is just getting to know people that we don't know that well. And it's been in such an incredible blessing. Some friendships were formed, some hopefully long-term relationships were formed because of that, because we invited somebody to our own dinner table to share a meal with. Just like Jesus did in the Last Supper with his disciples, he shared a meal to explain the love of Christ. I'm gonna close with this quote. Keyword here is perhaps. Perhaps before we invite people to Jesus or invite them to church, we should invite them to dinner. Perhaps before we invite people to Jesus or invite them to church, we should invite them to dinner. Can I challenge you this week is to pray about leading a group, pray about joining a group, but also practically speaking, invite somebody over to your dinner table to gather for a meal. You can connect with them. You can show grace. You can express the love of Christ to them in a real tangible way, just like Jesus did with his disciples. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to, to gather here this morning and to worship you. God, you are worthy of all of our worship, all of our words. God, I pray for this next week as, as we leave this building. God, I pray for opportunities, God, that you would speak to us and challenge us, God, to invite somebody over to our own dinner table. God, whether it's somebody that we know or somebody that we don't know, God, I, I ask and I pray, God, that you give us opportunities, God, to, to connect with people on a non-surface but a deeper level. God, get to know who they really are, God, as you are getting to know us. God, I pray that we can extend grace in those situations and in those moments. God, and I pray that we can tangibly express the love of Christ to others around us. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to open your word. 
God, I pray that you keep all of us safe, healthy. God, speak to us, challenge us. God, be with us throughout the rest of the week, whether we're at work or school or work from home, whatever that looks like. God, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to gather. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 